Hey everyone, Communications Director Jay Sokol here. Really interesting interview today. My guest is Lieutenant Chad Phillips, who has been with the College Station Fire Department since 2000. Now here's a little trivia about Chad. Back in 1999, while he was going through the Texas A&M Engineering Extension Service Fire Academy, the day came when he was scheduled to take his state test. And that was the day the Texas Aggie bonfire collapsed. So Chad and all of his fellow fire recruits put their new rescue techniques training to work by helping remove tons of stacked logs to assist with victim recovery. And then he left to take his test. After that, he returned to the scene to help even more. And that really was Chad Phillips' introduction to the firefighting profession. All right, so let's flash ahead to May 26th of this year. That's the day when our area was just pounded by severe storms. We saw widespread flooding and even a tornado just north of here in Bryan. So if you live here, you heard, you watched, and you read for days about the damage and all the lives and the property affected. And you also heard about the fantastic work by our public safety personnel. Well, today's edition of the podcast focuses on a particular story from that day. And you may not have heard this. It's a story that involved an especially harrowing water rescue performed by Lieutenant Phillips and other members of the College Station Fire Department Swift Water Rescue Team. So to set the scene, they had already performed rescues here in Brazos County, and then came a distress call from Grimes County, just to our south. Heavy rain continued to fall, traffic accidents had the highway jammed, and darkness was coming. Here's Chad. Grimes County had an officer that had uh, lost his vehicle in was able to escape from his vehicle, but was stuck in a tree uh, downriver of a low water crossing there in Grimes County. Is it a police officer? Yes, police officer. Okay. And, well, tell me about that, because uh, this is like a, uh, a TV drama. I'm, I'm, waiting <laughs> to, I'm waiting to find out what happens. Right. So we have, uh, we're pretty much the closest crew. They have, they have a Navasota team has, has a crew as well. But, uh, so they have a boat squad that they're able to make contact uh, down there. So we had two call station teams at this time. We're the ones making uh, these calls in Brazos County, and we're spinning up another crew in the flat-bottom boat, uh, one of our own in College Station. So they're responding from Station 6 to this call in Grimes County, so they're ahead of us. And we're responding from Brazos County. We're trying to make access across Highway 21, which is flooded. So we're having to you know, turn around and have a little delay there trying to get back to Highway 6. So we're you know, imagine the call is an officer in a tree. At this point, it's like 7.30 at night. Okay. So the nighttime's coming upon us. Right. Uh, officer in a tree downstream from this fast-moving water. They're unable to see him. So trying to get there as fast as we can, you know, we can safely get there. Um, and our other boat squad, and we also dispatched a safety team down there uh, to help us out with, you know, the safety and uh, running the scene. Because, you know, when we go out with water squads, there's got to be someone on the shore to run everything and the other people in the boat need to be the you know the rescue team so there also obviously needs to be someone who's running the scene that's uh, stays on the shore so we have that team down in Navasota and I'm reading my text messages as we're running down to Grimes County saying I need you here and I need your boat and this guy's in this tree and so you know kind of heightens our adrenaline even more than it's been going for the last couple of hours sure so we make it uh, to Grimes County we get reports of another rollover accident on the highway that we're going to it's going to be hard for us to 
access the road that they're on. So we're having to cross over, you know, at 105 and go counterflow traffic on Highway 6 in a unit with, you know, carrying a boat behind us. As we're doing this, we're passing all this damage from the tornadoes that had come through just, you know, a few minutes ago. So wow, uh, buildings that you see, you know, torn up and uh, tin that are wrapped around fence posts and trees that are snapped off and all this. Where we're, you know, and the rain's coming down really hard. So we're getting into the heart of the storm and hoping the tornado's not, not around us yeah. at this point. You know, there's a lot of danger and stuff involved in, in this, but when you get a chance to actually perform a rescue that's, you know, life-saving or potentially someone's in, you know, that kind of danger, it's it's really, you know, what it's all about. It's what our training and everything has gotten us to, so we're happy to perform that. Well, okay, so you, so you finally get to the place you need to be. And see, I'm trying to get you to tell me this story. <laughs> I, I want to know this story. Uh, uh, what did you what So you we find? get to the FM road. We pull down to it, and there's water across the roadway. It's raining. At this point, the, you know, the sun's down. Uh, so the point from where the water starts to the creek to the other side, we're talking almost a quarter of a mile probably of water. So our first job is to assess the situation. Like we said, we get out and we walk as far as we can into this water. Uh, while well, we have a recon team going on land and perpendicular to the roadway to try to make tr- try to either see or make some kind of contact with the officer that's in the tree. At first, they had radio contact with him. He's so imagine the officer in full uh, you know patrol gear with his uniform, his you know vest that he has on, and his duty belt, and everything stuck in this tree. So he's and at this point, he's been there for almost two hours. Holy smokes! And it's still raining at this. It's still point, raining. Right? The weather's bad. The water's, you know, obviously coming up because it's still raining as hard as it is. So there's a lot of uh, things happening pretty quick, but we always have to think about the safety part as well. Uh, we can't just, you know, jump off in certain situations. So well, once we walk and we look at both sides of the roadway and identify that uh, we're not going to be able to go any further by foot to see if we can see this guy, uh, the recon team comes back from the fence that they had crossed, and you can think of like a wooded pasture out and, you know, try to imagine that. Uh, they have unable to do any good on their recon search. So they come back, and we all meet up as a team to s- try to make an action plan of what's going to happen next. So still no visual contact with this No officer. visual contact. At We're talking about t- 200 meters down from us on the roadway to the mainstream, and it, he's approximately 300 meters downstream. That's how far he was swept off? Correct. So it's a pretty good ways away, and it getting dark, and through a wooded pasture that we can't make contact with now, uh, visual contact never, or... We can't make uh, voice contact by radio at all. So, so our next uh, action, you know, once we got together, uh, was to cut the barbed wire fence and put our boats in. We usually always try to put two boats in at the same time in case you have, you know, trouble there. The other boat can be downstream safety right. to assist. So we launched both of the boats off the side of the road, cut a barbed wire fence, and cut some vines out of the way to get in this flooded area, which is, like I said, about 200 meters away from where the main channel is. So we're talking flood water, but the flood water still has some current to it. So we get both boats in there, um, the Zodiac and the Flat Bottom, both call station boats. Uh, we have the boat squads on there armed with you know lights, and we're all you know decorated to the teeth with PFDs and helmets and mm-hmm. throw bags and everything else ready to go. And uh, so we get in this flooded area, and I talk, we, you know, talk back and forth. We try to have radio contact. We have radios with us, but with the boat running and it raining and the situation that we're in, and sometimes the communication is not the best. Right. 
So our first priority is to do a recon of the area to see if we can go downstream and then come back up to the patient and uh, make contact with them. Uh, Zodiac, you know, leading the way in the flat bottoms, kind of sitting there in a slack water area, uh, you know, hanging out for us to when we get ready to, to do our rescue. So, so we go downstream. I try to make access to, uh, to the patient. At this point, we can see a flashlight through the woods. So we can't see a person because there's so much, uh, you know, trees, you know, falling. And at this point, um, the water is high enough where you don't see any tree trunks. They're all up in the, in the trees. Now, let me stop you for a second, because is there a vehicle somewhere in his proximity where he, that he had been driving? Or so correct. I was wondering if, or if he got out of it and the water took the him. The report we got further. was the vehicle has been swept away as well, so there's, and there's no sight of the vehicle. So it's downstream, and we don't know where this This is crazy. Is. And you know, as you talk about that, we're, there's obstacles that, just like we talked about the chain link fence that's underwater, or a barbed wire fence that's underwater, we're having to cut. So we don't know where the cross fences are at this point. Once you get to a, a, a deeper point, your prop that's in the water is going through all the stuff. And then when you get, if you're having a fallout or anything, we have to worry about hitting a cross fence or something and getting hung up in that in the swift water. So it's a very dangerous situation to be in because there's unknown hazards that are you know just right underwater whatever else that we could get into. So you mentioned seeing the flashlight. Does that mean it's dark by now? It is dark. So okay. it's, I think we started our uh, rescue and got in the water, I think it was around 830 at night. So okay. that's when this started. So we go downstream, like I said, uh, through the trees, navigating uh, with a current. So for those who aren't familiar with running a rescue boat in a wooded area with a current, <laughs> you have to kind of see you know have to look ahead and have a plan two or three steps ahead of when you can turn this boat around because with the current pushing you if you get pinned up against a tree there's nothing you can do and there's a pretty good probability your boat will flip and right. be pushed against this tree and then you're you know you become someone who needs rescuing yourself yeah then you're a or problem worse, or you end up downstream which is the unknown sure so anyway we make we go downstream at can i get over to make access to the uh officer who's in the tree we know where his light is you know we shine back to him but with the amount of trees in between us we're not sure if he even knows that we've seen his his light so being unable to make access we come back up uh the current again we're you know 100 yards or so off from the main channel which is what he's in being able to come upstream at this point or up current uh we did see an opening you know between the trees that we could get a little bit closer to him so we take the opening, which we couldn't see because it was the angle of the trees. You know, we can only see from one direction. So now we've made access a little bit closer to them, still in the, you know, a little bit faster moving water, uh, still not in the main current, but a little bit closer to where we need to be. Again, it's, you know, it's pretty hairy about how you control the boat in these situations because you kind of need to be in a hover where you can go right or left and be able to peel out of where you're going if you get into a bad situation. Are you driving the boat? I'm the tiller, yes, correct. I'm the boat operator at this okay. point. Okay, all right. Um, and this, this is the Zodiac? Right, this okay. is the Zodiac that's all right. in there. So we move around in this limited area where we've gotten a little bit closer to him, and there's only one area where we can cross to get over to where he's at, and it's probably about a foot wider than the Zodiac boat itself is. And there's trees that line it, and there's an opening for us to shoot through if we decide to do that. So this is one of the situations that I've been in in the past that didn't go too good <laughs> that I can, that I can you know, look back on and, and know the hazards of it and know and control it at this point so i have to make the decision at this point what we're going to do so that the hazard is the stream is flowing this is the main channel now that we're up to the stream is flowing you know 
very rapidly white water coming through here and we're having to shoot through an opening that's a foot wider than the boat so imagine a boat going 90 degrees from a from a stream that's flowing very fast the boat doesn't stay in a straight line it, it flows with the stream okay so it'll flow downstream once you turn sideways but we're having to go through an area that's a foot wider than the boat in the dark in the dark so if this is done incorrectly the boat's going to get pinned up against a tree and flip our boat will go you know our motor will go underwater and we're dead in the water and hopefully we've all found some tree or something to grab onto if right. that happens okay so it's all something in in anytime i operate a boat with you know the squad in front of me there's a couple of you know members that are on the team that are agile bowman in charge of the of rescuing the patient and we we all had talked about this before you know one person's in charge of the victim's pfd and and putting it on the victim getting them in the boat and someone else is having the you know the lights and everybody has a job not only that but the operator who's steering the boat uh is communications key in that as well so every step that i take as an operator i'm talking to the team and this is what i'm thinking this is what i'm doing you know so everybody's safety in the situation if we all put our heads together there's something that we see that we don't like someone can speak up and you know we can reassess the situation so at this point i let the team know that the only way through there is through this you know shooting through this hole you know foot wider than the boat cross current and uh so i think we're you know we're all at this point on key with that being our only access and that and we're going for it so i pulled back out of that spot that we were in to so i can get a run and start at this hole that we're shooting through because we don't want to be in the spot any longer than we have to so if we go at speed we can make it through it a little bit faster than we would if we could just you know tote through the spot because that water's moving a lot faster than what we can handle if, right. it's, if we're just perpendicular to it so we make the uh make the choice we get a little run and start at it and shoot through this hole and bounce off the tree and make it out the other side so we made it in between the trees but now we're in a situation where we're in a spot that we haven't been able to look at before so we don't know what's on the other side of this the strong current how far are you how far away are you from your officer in the tree at this point so the officer in the tree at this point is probably you know 20 or 30 yards from us okay downstream which uh it's it's always a goal to get have a positive attitude in the water which means we're facing you upstream and we're motoring so we're in a hover oh right okay so this once we shoot out of this hole you got to turn around there's there's no way for me to get that positive attitude so the only thing that i can do is shoot downstream so not only the power of the motor is pushing us but the power of the water so we're going pretty quick when we make this turn and my observations around is to try to find a spot big enough for me to do a peel turn to peel back around and turn and back you know face back in the right direction which we were lucky enough to do without a problem so at this point uh we've passed the officer turned back around got the positive attitude like i'm talking about uh facing upstream we're able to get in front of them and then we're in a hover so we're sitting still the motor's on powered and the stream's going you know facing into us so we're sitting pretty much still in the water right next to them right in front of them so we passed them up because our next course of action is to lay off the throttle a little bit so we're backing up in the water but under control oh so you you actually passed them twice right okay so so <laughs> you you let off the throttle you back up the to throttle, them. Yeah, the, the boat goes back with the stream but under control and then back up and put the gunnel the side of the boat right on the tree that he's hanging on so all he's 
you know, he has to do is just step off into the boat at this point. Huh, no problem. Right, no problem. We got there. Holy cow. Until now now you got to get out of there. The boat, right? Now you got to get out of there. So that's what we're thinking. The next obstacle is we've just done 50% of our work is getting back. So the officer steps off into the boat, and as he does, I don't know, I'm not sure if it's the top of a tree or a limb, probably, you know, 10 inches in diameter, falls off where he's standing, hits the outboard, and falls and lands on the side of the boat and disables the motor at this point. So, <laughs> come on. Yeah, so he, like I said, he couldn't write this book, right? So the motor's disabled, but the good thing about the tree, the tree limb falling on us is it's pinned us where we're at between the tree that he's, he was standing on and the limb that's been... So you're not being us. carried away so by the So we're not being carried away. Even though our motor's disabled, we're sitting in a good spot, still facing upstream, just slightly to the left. So first things first, we get the officer, which is... You know, obviously shaking through hanging on a tree for two and a half hours. You, know, you put a PFD on him, talk to the crew, let them know, you know what's going on in the back of the boat. I was able to start the motor again, no problem. So there's no problem with the prop that had hit anything and ruined the lower unit or anything like that. The motor's running and we're able to engage, but uh, the limb is still on the tree. And the limb being long enough and big enough around that it takes three of us to, to move it off this boat so the whole time we're assessing how we're going to get this limb off, and the officer's down in the boat. The boat is facing toward more trees, you know, a little bit, you know, it's upstream, but a little bit to the left, which is toward more bushes and trees. The bad problem with that is if we kick that limb off, there's no way for us to, uh, to move back into a good position to get uh, back home. So first course of action is to, you know, have people on the limb fixing the pull it off the boat but at the same time we need to push the front of the boat to the right or we're not going to make it out of where we're at you know communication the training between everyone on the boat you know the bowmen and the people that are assisting uh, with the boat squad that we had out that day performing the rescue did an excellent job uh, there was no flaws in anything that occurred we will pick up the limb and push it to the side move the front of the boat to the right and then I was able to throttle and then you know head back out you know the way we came which is again, so you had to shoot that same gap but from the, the other side gap, bumped off the same tree <laughs> got back into an opening and uh met back up with that uh safety boat that was in the water with us and could they see what was ha- i don't guess they could see what was happening yeah so the, the problem with that is like i said there was no other access but the one that we made to the officer that night and we weighed all our options and that was you know what we decided to do that other boat that was in the water would have had to heard the call for help and uh, had to go downstream and and try to save us but uh they were have to had to stay in that slack water that we were talking about before and uh they were hovering there trying to keep an eye on the best we can you know had contact with their lights trying to you know see if they could see us moving down in there but uh yeah they they, they weren't downstream from us exactly so in that point you know that they weren't be able to pick us up if something happened well, let's forget about you for a second. I am physically exhausted, <laughs> uh, and, and I'm stressed, and I cannot believe that what you just described really happened. And you're like, eh, yeah, whatever, it's work. Uh, that's amazing. That's something that's always going to stand out in my mind. I've been involved with a lot of training with uh, you know, the Guadalupe River flowing you know, 5,000 cubic feet a second, and up in Tennessee and swift water training down there with Texas Task Force 1, and seen a lot of fast-moving water. But uh, I think that... The thing that was so difficult about this rescue was the water was moving probably just as fast as stuff that I've been in before, 
but the obstacles and the trees and having to navigate through the woods was something I hadn't uh, had to deal with. You know, in that aspect, exactly like that. I do have some GoPro footage of us in the Guadalupe River going through trees. Yeah, but never had to shoot through one perpendicular like that. I so some of this is instinct and maybe a little bit of luck, a whole lot of skill, but. There's a lot of training that goes into this. Just tell me a little bit about the training that you guys uh, go through that allows you to do something like this, uh, to perform a rescue successfully like this. So a swiftwater rescue technician is someone who's usually, you know, a fire to fire paramedic or EMT first. Uh, you know, once we start out, there's a rescue component that has got to be uh, passed before you can even think about going to swiftwater rescue school. A prerequisite is to be a swiftwater, or excuse me, a rope rescue technician. So what that encompasses is uh, having a certification from trench rescue, confined space, and high angle rescue. After you get all these three components, uh, then, you know, and the agency having jurisdiction kind of has a say-so over it nowadays for the technician level, uh, but that's how most people, you know, get the ropes part of it. Once you acquire the ropes rescue technician component, then uh, you're qualified to attend a Swiftwater Rescue training class through TEKS is where I... You know, I've taken uh, multiple swiftwater rescue training classes uh, to obtain my technician level. You know, the second one obviously was not necessary, but just for extra training and uh, for continuing education. So that class itself is kind of centered around being uh, agile bowman on a boat, but mainly rescues from shore, shore-based rescues, being the swimmer, someone in the water. Uh, the boat operator class is something totally different than that. Once you obtain the swiftwater rescue technician uh, certification, then uh, the the boat, so far the boat operator is going to be your next step. And that's another, you know, week-long training in a pretty hairy environment. And depending on where that is, some, like I said, when we, we've been to Tennessee before because that's where we have to chase the fast-moving water. Sometimes we find it at the Guadalupe like this year is not a problem. Yeah. Uh, we do the, the boat operator class sometimes at the Guadalupe, which, you know, the water's got to be flowing pretty good there. To do something like that if not we we go out of state to find it well i'm beyond impressed and uh i'm sure you've had other people say it to you but thank you for what you do thanks for the training you go through and thanks for uh, protecting lives and property so tell me the names of the uh, of everybody who uh, was in those two boats all right so that day um we had you know two boat squads like i said uh, stan stevenson was the driver of the the vehicle that got us safely down to navasota uh, was unable to make it in the boat due to uh, backing both boats down into the water at that time. Uh, in the boats we had uh, in the Zodiac, uh, the team leader was myself, Chad Phillips. Uh, we had Brad Ballard and John Kimbrough was in that boat, and we also had uh, Navasota, uh, team member, uh, running lights for us. Uh, the flat-bottom boat team leader was Josh Varner. We had Eric Falke and uh, Jeffrey Kefauver in that boat, and another Navasota guy running lights for them as well. Awesome. Well, thanks to all of you guys. And thanks for coming here and telling me your story, because I know you're a humble guy. I can tell that. And uh, you're probably reluctant to go through all the details. But thank you for uh, telling me what happened, because I, I think that's a pretty powerful story. Well, I appreciate you having me here. Yeah, there's no way to really depict that uh, unless you were there. But I think we you, know, you do the best you can and let everybody around know what, kind of what we go through through a daily basis and sometimes not a daily basis but uh stuff that we train for that we hope never happens but sometimes does thanks for talking to me thanks. well what do you say after that other than 
thank goodness we have emergency responders trained in all these special operations. If you like this episode of our podcast, you might enjoy the other ones in our archives. You can find those at soundcloud.com slash college station. Thanks to College Station Fire Lieutenant Chad Phillips for being my guest and thank you for listening. I'm Jay Sokol. Thank you.